right? I, you know, I love that song, and I love these, uh, any representation of God pouring out his love for us, and you know, the fact that we didn't deserve it. There's no possible way that we could have earned anything that God's given us, but he still chose to do it anyways. He still chose to give life to us. So we're in the middle of an incredible time of the year, an incredible season, lots of the uh, different holidays coming around, all the lights and the, the wreaths and the songs and all the fun stuff, right? So there's uh, um, and, uh, probably the best holiday or the most interesting holidays coming up. So let's say it all out loud on the count of three, all right? You ready? One, two, three, Festivus. Tricked you. <laughs> So raise your hand if you have no idea what Festivus is. Probably some people don't. All right, so Festivus is actually a fictional holiday based off of the TV show Seinfeld from back in uh, a couple decades ago. It seems like it shouldn't be that long ago. But anyways, uh, so long story short, it was a television uh, episode where they were trying to figure out all of the, the hustle uh, of Christmas and like trying to buy the gifts and do all these things. And there was one character who just, I needed to do something different. So he created this holiday called Festivus, and it's very interesting, and uh, we're going to look at that a little bit uh, through the lens of the Bible today. Um, so what's interesting about it, so instead of the tree and the ornaments and the lights and all that stuff, you can decorate with Festivus just by a simple pole, right? I mean, who would like to just set that up instead of a whole tree sometimes, right? Um, then there's uh, feats of strength and some other stuff, but the one thing that's interesting is the airing of grievances, is that that part of Festivus is just, it, it intrigues me a little bit. So you might scratch your heads a couple points tonight, but just hang in there with me. So the idea of the airing of grievances, you get to, similar to Thanksgiving, you say, go around the table, say what you're thankful for, except for this one, you get to look around at the people in your life and tell them how they've disappointed you over the year. Now, as much as we might want to do that sometimes, uh, we're going to take a look at that idea of it, but look at it through the filter and lens of the Bible and what the Bible has to say about our words and our actions and our thoughts. So how many of you have tried to put if, uh, a picture online, like Facebook or Instagram, and you know that there's like a filter on there sometimes, right? Some may, may or may not be familiar. You can kind of color your photo. You can, it looks different because you've applied this filter. Um, so what we ultimately want to do is we want to apply everything that we do through the lens of the filter of the Bible and what God has to say. So... God has actually a lot to say about what we have to say, right? Does that make sense? It's a little too confusing. God has a lot to say about what we have to say. And the ultimate question is, what is our goal? So the Bible says plenty of things like, um, if, so if there's like an injustice, if there's something that's wrong that you get to be able to, there's times when it is appropriate to stand up and to speak out. It also says, Jesus said this really interesting thing, that if you are presenting a gift at the altar, Remember that your brother has something against you. Go first, be reconciled to him, then come back and present your, your gift. There's another really interesting scripture in Ephesians that talks a lot about what we have, about uh, what we say. My apologies here. Looking at the wrong chapter there. Ephesians 4, uh, ch uh, chapter 4, verse 29. Do, uh, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow uh, to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing 
that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So again, the Bible has, we can go through a verse after verse after verse, seeing what God has to say about what we say and how it applies and how it affects other people. But I want to take a look at an interesting uh, beatitude. One of the phrases that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 5, um, there's different ones like, you know, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, blessed are you, are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. But then there's this interesting one that says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I find that word very intriguing because it's not like the blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Because you're not really, it, it doesn't imply action just with the poor in spirit, right? But a peacemaker, you guys catch that ending? The maker, like you are somebody who is, who is making peace. That intrigues me, the idea and that concept. There's so much packed in just with that word. So the idea of a peacemaker is that they don't, uh, they thrive most in conflict. They thrive most in chaotic situations. So similar to how light does great in the darkness. If you put one light amongst many, there's not much difference. But if you take a light, put it in the darkness, then suddenly you start to be able to see some things, right? So in a similar fashion, a peacemaker is someone who thrives when there is no peace. And when we are given the peace of God, the shalom of God, the peace of God, which the Bible says passes all other understanding, we can be able to go into situations, into relationships, and to anything that has no peace and introduce it to the Prince of Peace, right? We can introduce the peace of God to places that are not peaceful. But there's another interesting thing about a peacemaker that, again, it still intrigues me because when we start thinking about how God works, right, like we were singing the song about how, you know, God gave his everything and we couldn't do anything for it, not so that we could have a passive relationship with him, right? The Bible uses this word called reconciliation. God was reconciling the world through Christ to himself. Reconcile does not mean at arm's distance. You guys know that? I did some searching on that. What, is, what does reconcile really mean? It means a full restoration as if nothing had ever gotten off. I know in my own pursuit of God, there was a point in life several years ago where I started making some really poor choices. And as a result of that, my relationship with God was skewed. And it was, it was my fault, 100%. And I had this weird mindset that I really want to get back to that place as if I had never gotten off track with God. And I didn't realize that it was already, that God had already done the work, right? God had already done that work for me. I didn't have to earn it back. I didn't have to do anything different. That reconciliation, that, recon, that God did that reconcile, and it was a complete restoration. Peacemakers are similar. They don't want peace at arm's distance. They don't want things just amicable. A peacemaker wants that full peace of God. They want the peace of God to infuse into the relationships, into the situations that is going on in whatever your sphere of influence may be. And we all, if it doesn't take a long time to start thinking of what those might be, right? We all have that person. 
You know what I mean? That person, it doesn't need much description, but they're the person who kind of like a cheese grater starts to grate against you, like just being around them, it just, it's just, you don't like it. You know, you kind of want to do the, ah, if, when you have to be around them. And sometimes in the holiday season, if, especially if it's a family member, you're like, I have to do, go there. But, you know, and so you might have the conversation, like, be good, keep your mouth shut while we're there, right? We, there's all, that, we always have that person. It could be a family member, it could be a coworker, a teacher that you may think have it, has it out for you, another student, whoever that is. It seems like there's always in life there's somebody who is that person. And sometimes it is as simple or even petty as a personality difference, right? So I, I actually like the personality tests. I, I find them interesting. Uh, like on the Myers-Briggs, I, I can't tell if I'm an introvert or an extrovert, and I don't know either, but it's like an ENFJ. Yeah, it depends on the day. And like we just did the Enneagram test, and I came out as a nine. And the cool thing about that is they'll tell you, like, these are personality types that you probably don't get along with or that you do get along with. And strangely enough, like, my personality gets along with almost everybody else. I don't have too many issues. But there are some people that, like, you have this, like, type A personality and that other one where it's, they just don't, they just don't mesh well, right? So sometimes there are those situations or those relationships where it's just, it's just a simple personality thing. You don't click. And, and that's okay. But sometimes the issues run a little bit deeper. Maybe it's somebody who has um, done something to offend you or to hurt you, and they never apologize for it, right? They've done something to disrupt the relationship, and they, 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 they didn't fix it, right? Or they've never admitted that they were wrong. And sometimes it's even deeper. It might be a, a, such an intense wound that some would even start to call it traumatic. It might be a family member who abandoned you. It might be um, somebody who you have poured your heart and your soul into, and to helping them make wise choices and to, to following a godly life, and they just spit it back in your face. We all have somebody or some people in our lives where that relationship is messed up. There's no peace. And if you can even be bold enough to say it, there's no life in there, or the life is draining. But similar to peacemakers, we can also be life givers. God wants us to be able to give life because we don't give life that we have because we've earned it or we've uh, got it somehow. It's we give life because God gave to us. You know, the psalmist says, my cup runneth over, but the fulfillment of the cup came from God pouring into me, right? So I'm able to give peace, able to give life into situations, into relationships, into the places where there is no peace, where there is no life, where there is, seems like nothing but death and darkness. And I can give the light of God, the peace of God, the life of God, the spirit. The, when the Bible talks about uh, uh, um, life, it some, uh, the Holy Spirit, sometimes it will use breath, right? Life, breathing onto things that may be dead and bringing it back to life, right? So there's people, there's situations, there's things that hurt us and things that, that break away from peace. Like this world in the, the state that it is in is filled with opportunities. Well, it depends on how you look at it is either filled with gloom and despair in the world, it, every day it just, it just sucks, or it can have an opportunity to bring the peace of God, the love of God to situations. So imagine with me, uh, if you will, for a minute, because again, we all have that person or that relationship. Think about that for a second. What would happen, 
how would that affect and how would that change if God started bringing peace to that situation? If God used you to bring peace to that person who um, is, is that person? Makes sense. What would that start to look like? And we'll explore that in the discussion questions a little bit. But just imagine for a minute, what would it look like if God were to actually move through you? And that, again, makes us from being a person who just loves peace to making peace. A person who likes life and enjoys life, but to a person who gives life. And there's not an age limit on it. You can't be too young and you can't be too old and you can't be too this or that. If you are a child of God, if God has cleansed you and made you clean and made you his, then you can give life and give peace as well. But it also takes some some knowledge of yourself to know if you're there or not. David, in one of his prayers, the psalmist, he, he said, search me and know me. See if there's anything wrong in me. I'm paraphrasing a bit. But see if there's anything wrong in me. And then, here's the kicker, lead me in the right way. Lead me in the way of, of everlasting life. So it's, it's difficult, but sometimes we do have to search ourselves. Am I giving life or am I giving death? Am I giving peace or am I giving destruction? Several, several times throughout the Bible, we are, God's given people the opportunity to choose one of the first gifts that God gave us, gave us besides life is free will. And I like the ability to choose, right? Don't you? Don't you like the ability to choose whatever you want to do? You know, me today at work, me and this one other guy actually wore the same shirt. And this is the second time it happened. But we both made a choice to wear this shirt and we just ended up in that same situation, right? It was funny. People took pictures and laughed and all that stuff. But we made a choice, right? We all have the ability to choose, and so there's like the famous scriptures, choose you this day who you will serve, right? Other scriptures where it's choose life and, and blessing or choose death and destruction. It's your choice. The ball is in your court. And we all want to say, well, I'm going to choose life, right? Who wants to say, I'm going to choose death and destruction just because, right? Seems fun. Life isn't working out. Let's try death. We don't do that. But we do choose that when we don't choose. When we give up our choice, which is a choice in itself. It's like driving in a car. Any of you who's driven a, a stick shift, you know if you're in neutral, if you're having forward momentum and you put your vehicle in neutral, you'll still go forward for a time, but eventually you're going to stop. And as life goes, if you're on a hill, it won't be long before you're rolling backwards. So, and that's another thing that I know in my own life, I've had to keep saying, search me and know me, God. Am I in neutral right now, or am I going forward? Or am I just going backward, you know? Like, so it's this constant, where am I, God? How, how am I doing? And the, and the Spirit of God will lead you and guide you, and it's awesome when, when you're in that communion with God. But, but we have to choose. So what will be your choice? Will you choose to be a person who gives life into a situation? Or will it be death? Because as much as sometimes we like to play the game in neutral, that don't last for very long. It'll last for a little bit. It it really doesn't, but it feels like it lasts for a little bit. But choose life or not. But I think we all want to choose life. I hope we do. And and just, just that idea that we don't, it doesn't have to be just this stagnant, arm's-length life. 
it can be an all-encompassing life. As much as Jesus pursued us, we can pursue others. We can pursue the city and the people in our family and our sphere of influence with the love of God and with the peace of God and the life of God. So we're going to go ahead and transition on into the small group. So if we can have the leaders uh, go ahead and just find little groups here. Uh, again, they're going to go ahead and ask, just ask some basic questions um, and just find way, practical ways where we can grow in this and how we can actually take steps to live this out. We'll reconvene here in a little bit.